Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my name is Joey Rodriguez. This is Elephant in the Room, and I'm here with our amazing chairman, Josh Kuttner. Thanks for having me on, Joey. Josh, why don't you uh, let us know what is going on in the world of CRs right now? Great. Yeah. Thanks again, Joey, for having me on. Uh, Appreciate the chance. I know the podcast is uh, up and running strong, and thanks to everyone for tuning in today. Uh, We are heading for another mostly online semester, but we're prepping for a great round of guest speakers and uh, intra-party debates and debates with college Democrats, social events, uh, and a lot to uh, look forward to. So definitely keep following GWCRs on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, We'll have a lot in store this semester. Yeah, I'm excited for for this semester. I think it'll be pretty exciting. Um, So just want to give a little rundown of what we're going to be talking about today. The freshman uh, the class of 2024, I think it is now. That sounds so weird. Yeah. I feel old because we're. Uh, it is a fake year. That it does sound like a fake year. But yeah, is what it does. Um, <laughs> the the CR's freshman class of 2024 took a little questionnaire survey when they got to GW. Um, we got about uh, 80 responses. Um, so we just asked them a bunch of questions about what they think about the state of the Republican Party, their views on politics. Um, things like that. And so Josh and I today are going to be going over the responses that they gave and sort of just reacting and and, and commenting on what we have here. So first things first, on a scale of one to 10, how conservative do you consider yourself? And our members put around 7.5. I'd say this is a little more conservative than I thought we'd get. What do you think? Um, Yeah, I think it's a little more conservative, but I think... um... Also, it's tough when you judge based on your peers, if they think they're comparing themselves to other uh, people in GWCRs or everyone that they know, even though it does say compared to all Americans. Um, But I think also there's a difference sometimes between um, people might hold strong um, conservative beliefs, but they might believe in more of a moderate approach, uh, more like geared towards compromise. So sometimes people judge themselves a little interesting, but you're right that I think when people think of GWCRs, they might think of us as a little more moderate in like the yeah. six to seven range. Yeah, I was thinking like a six would, would be my guess of what people responded to. So I was a little surprised. Um, and so next next answers uh, we have, um, who did you plan on voting for in 2020? Um, obviously that election's over and 64% of our freshman members supported President Trump. But we also had about 15% of our freshman members support uh, Vice President Joe Biden. So I thought that was interesting. That's a little more than I expected. Um, Yeah, it was interesting, uh, especially thinking about when when we put this out. It was right around, uh, right after the Republican convention, actually. So it was when you would think support for Trump might have been highest. So it was definitely interesting. We had a number of people, 13% were still undecided. Yeah. And then still 9% had already made up their minds that they weren't voting for either one of Trump or yeah. Biden. So I think that is interesting, especially um, when you compare it to what we were just talking about with uh, where our members lie in terms of how conservative they are. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think another thing that I we got from this questionnaire as well is seeing the sort of differences between us as freshmen and who we loved. And then obviously this freshman class is a little different um, I think, you know, the the people that our freshman class loved a lot were, were um, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, um, Jeb Bush was even up there. 
little bit of Chris Christie, maybe Carly Fiorina. Um, obviously, those are just the people that are running, but you know, obviously Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz are still around. Um, so this class said we had about, let's give it about 12 or 13 people loved Nikki Haley as their favorite Republican politician. Um, Ronald Reagan's in there for probably, you know, about 10. The response is a little iffy because, you know, when you put in Ronald Reagan, it might spell it differently. Um, so I, I think Nikki Haley is unsurprising. She's huge. Um, mm. uh, Dan Crenshaw is another unsurprising one. He's probably at like six or seven um, favorite Republican. Um, Donald Trump, notably not in the top three. Yeah, I don't know that it was surprising. Uh, like you said, I think that the trifecta of Nikki Haley, Ronald Reagan, and Dan Crenshaw seems to be where a lot of college Republicans lies. But notable, um, if you look at um, the fact that so many people were still voting for President Trump yet, they're not necessarily his favorite uh, Republican. It also speaks to, I think, the political literacy of like our members um, that for a lot of people in the country, you know, they'd automatically go to the party figurehead, but yeah. our members have a wide array of favorite Republicans uh, and that's represented in a wide array of viewpoints and ideologies. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. That's actually a good point. Um, so why don't we move on to the death penalty actually? So do you support the use of the death penalty? Our members said 42% yes, they do support the death penalty. Another about 29% say yes, but it should be used in a more limited way than it is currently. Um, and then 30% say no, we do not support the death penalty. I think this is actually you know, kind of a divisive issue growing in the Republican party because we are typically seen as pro-life and that, that's sort of our thing. And a lot of Republicans nowadays are coming out and saying, if we want to be pro-life, we should do it you know, at the start of conception or before the baby's born and once you know, the, the child is born and they don't believe that it should be the government's job to be taking away the, the life of, of someone. Um, what do you think? What, how, was this surprising or what, what do you uh, think? It's definitely interesting. Like you said, it's, it's quite divisive and depending on because it's kind of like a three-way poll and all of them are very close. You can look at it a number of ways. You can say, wow, 70% of our members think that in some way um, the death penalty uh, is acceptable or should be used. And then another way you can say almost 60% think it should be cut back in some way. So like you yeah. said, it's very um, divided. We co-hosted an event um, that was run by Young Americans for Liberty uh, with uh, conservatives concerned against the death penalty. And they cited a number of growing concerns on the right with the use of the death penalty. The top one being um, you know, the pro-life issue, as you mentioned, but another one is that in many cases is actually more expensive um, to yeah, give absolutely. someone a death penalty, um, given all the court proceedings that take place rather than uh, a life prison sentence without parole. So definitely growing and things have been changing, especially with the recent slate of federal executions we've seen. I know that have been some controversial in the news. So one issue to watch. Yeah, and then some, another question related to it was, should felons have completed, who have completed their terms in prison be able to vote? Um, and then our members responded 58% yes, and then 42% no. And this was a little unsurprising for me. I, I think that's, that's pretty what I expected. However, you know, I think talking about this here recently, 
um, you know, in a lot of states, uh, felons can't vote once they get out. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, uh, I think that the narrow divide uh, in our chapter, though 58% on the side of yes, they should be able to vote, kind of signifies where this issue is moving. I think it's one that uh, maybe even a few years ago, I would have had a different answer for you. But um, going along with the previous question, we're kind of reexamining a number of criminal justice reform related issues on the Republican side of the aisle. And I think this is one where, um, in my personal opinion, uh, if you've completed your sentence in full, you should have full restoration of your um, civic rights. And I think that includes the right to vote. If we're encouraging you to become full functioning members of society, once again, uh, I think that that comes with the uh, right to vote. Um, and I think that that's something I've worked at the US Chamber of Commerce and they've talked a lot about um, kind of reforms that need to be made to ensure that uh, people who do um, get out of prison, um, you know, don't engage in recidivism, they don't end up right back in the pipeline again. So any way that we can uh, encourage members, uh, former, uh, you know, convicts to uh, fully reintegrate into society, I think is important. So I would lean yes. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think I've, I definitely thought differently as well, especially I think at the beginning of me coming to GW, mm -hmm. I thought that ever since someone was sent to prison, you know, they've committed, you know, terrible, heinous crime, most likely enough to get their vote taken away. But, you know, I think taking classes, learning a little bit more, um, the, you're being punished for a certain period of time when you're sent to prison. And that was your punishment to be taken out of society for a bit. And now you, that you served your time and your sentence is over, uh, I definitely agree that you probably should be able to get the right to vote. Of course, I think right. and it probably should be determined by that should be determined by each state. But I think, you know, yeah. in my own home state of Texas, I would I would be voting for that. Yeah, I was just going to add, if you if you take a look at Florida, a state which is leaned Republican in both 2016, 2018 and 2020. Um, in 2018, I think it was, they had their referendum and they decided that felons should have their voting rights restored. Now they've been working through kind of whether you should have to pay back uh, court fines and that sort of thing. Um, and they're working out the logistics of that down there, but it's clear that public opinion, even in what's growingly a light red state like Florida is on the side of uh, restoring voting rights to felons. It's an interesting development. Yeah. And then continuing on with that sort of the criminal justice aspect, um, Generally, here's another question. Generally, do you believe that systemic racism exists in the United States today? And this was surprising to me. Uh, our members said 62% said no, and then 30% said yes. And then we had a whole bunch of um, little mm -hmm. one or two answer write-ins there. Um, this was surprising because this was being asked, this questionnaire went out directly during the same time almost that the George Floyd protests were going on in DC and then obviously around the whole country, Minneapolis and, and whatnot. Um, so th this, is a, this is a pretty, I wasn't expecting this. I, I would have thought uh, it was different. What do you think? Yeah, I think a lot of it um, might come down to the language um, that was used and the specific term systemic racism. If this poll um, could be extrapolated to the larger population, larger Republican population, you might say that um, perhaps 
since we as a group agree on a number of um, criminal justice related um, issues on, on a more progressive stance, that maybe it's the label systemic racism that's not being received well. And I think um, kind of it is, is a misunderstanding of whether systemic racism means whether racism, uh, active overt racism is alive and well in our American society and our places of power that actively seeks to keep um, people of color down, um, which is why people might say no. Whereas a number of people who said yes, including um, myself, I believe, say that may not be an overt um, you know, part of our governing system. However, um, there are a number of hurdles for people of color to climb often um, simply based on where they uh, live in many cases. Right. And so even if it may not be the kind of like racism that you think of and it, racism itself as the word might not be the right term, it's kind of like a disparity um, that we see in, in a new number of places across society. Right. But it's interesting sort of, to what that says about the term. Sort of like maybe I, I'd say for me, it would be like the unconscious bias, maybe in some sort of, you know, companies or institutions um, or the government. Um, and then also, like you said, sort of starting at a, a different place in life. Um, and, and given that, obviously, you know, we didn't get 13th, 14th Amendments till and 15th Amendments until 1860. And then the Civil Rights Acts didn't come around till 1960. So um, it's, it's very hard to, to say um, no, for me at the very least. Um, but I, let's move on to some more fun questions. We sort of covered on some more serious questions of our members. Yeah. <laughs> um, one, one is, uh, do you support the federal legalization of marijuana for recreational use in the United States? And, you know, we got 57% say yes. Um, another say no, I support the legalization of recreational marijuana, but only at the state level. And that was 24% of our members. And then 20% no, I don't support the legalization of, mar of recreational marijuana at all. Um, I think this is just funny. You know, I think older Republicans uh, mm -hmm. are are not in favor of this, but definitely the younger generation most definitely is by probably an overwhelming margin. Yeah, I think, like you said, it's a function of our group's youth. Um, and it's kind of a sign of the times as to where this issue is likely headed, especially with um, even uh, president-elect and soon-to-be President Biden um, at first being against uh, you know, anything having to do with legalizing or decriminalizing marijuana now supports decriminalization of marijuana at the federal level. So we'll see if there's any movement on that during the 117th Congress. I think a lot of Republicans come in and they say, hey, um, individual liberty is one. And then the other argument would be, um, it could be a, a source of tax revenue yes. um, for the government. Now, personally for me, um, my former governor here in New Jersey, Chris Christie, he <laughs> would say, that argument, uh, you know, it doesn't work with him because essentially it's blood money where you're you're taking in state profits off of um, kind of people choosing to go down this this rabbit hole um, that could potentially, in his opinion and in mine, lead to um, you know some further issues for people. But right. I recognize that both of us are in the minority uh, in our party and certainly nationally. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So let's go on. So we asked some more some more fun questions. So what's the best TV show you binge watched during quarantine? And we got some very interesting answers, very diverse uh, group that we have here. So we got a bunch of Avatar The Last Airbender. We got a bunch of The Crown. We got a bunch of Tiger King. 
um <laughs> do you see any you see any shows on there that jump out at you well someone only got around to watching the office during quarantine which is so sad but i'm glad that they got to it uh, <laughs> i think i think when we did this in like august september my answer was uh outer banks i loved that one on outer Netflix banks. over the summer you love reality um yeah, well, that, that's not reality. That I mean, you got to watch it if you haven't, Joe. Oh, that's okay. a good one. But actually, someone also put "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia," which I'm just going through now, and that's quite funny. So I like that answer okay. as well. How about you? Yeah, these. So, um, for me, you know, Avatar: The Last Airbender is one of the greatest shows of all time. So I loved that. Um, you know, Tiger, Tiger King. I put that <laughs> off for so long, but I. I Everyone was talking about it. It was always trending on Twitter. So I, you know, I gave in and I actually really liked the series. Um, I do believe Carol Baskin killed her husband. <laughs> um, you know, we don't have to have any official statements from our chairman, but uh, that is my opinion. <laughs> um, and then um, favorite movie of all time. Um, you see any ones that jump out at you? I, Mine was The Wolf of Wall Street, and it looks like someone else also submitted that. So I'm very proud to see that. Yeah, so sometimes Google Forms comes up weirdly because it used to chart this out a little better. And yeah. when it was like that, the top ones that were listed were Forrest Gump, which is my favorite movie. Or yeah. I think it's the best movie of all time. My favorite one <laughs> would, be would be National Treasure, which was another top one. Right. Um, and a number of people also said um, 1917, and John Wick. I actually haven't seen either of those, um, but now they're on my list. Someone put, uh, I don't watch movies. Wow. That's sad. That's a sad life. What are you, what are you, what are you doing? Did you, did you watch any, any great movies with all your free time since COVID hit? Yes. So I did watch Tenant, which is uh, by Christopher Nolan. Um, I really okay. liked that movie and the rest of his movies. Um, and then I also watched 1917. I really liked the way it was shot. And then obviously won a couple of Oscars. So you know, that was a great movie as well. Um, and I also see here Pulp Fiction, um, anything by Quentin Tarantino I love. So our members have some pretty good yeah. taste. I, there were some great movies. I'm not typically a Tarantino fan, even separate from his you know, crazy political <laughs> views. Sometimes his, his movies, I'm not a big fan of. But I did watch... Um, Django Unchained for the first time yes. over quarantine. That was phenomenal. And I also watched a few, few weeks ago, I watched Moneyball for the first time. I don't know how I waited so long because that movie was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and so wrapping it up here, uh, we did ask, besides your home state, what is the greatest state in the nation? And unsurprisingly, you know, Texas was top dog by an overwhelming <laughs> margin. This is a landslide victory for the state of Texas. I'd say probably, I don't know, 31% of our members put it as the greatest state in the nation. Um, New Jersey is notably nowhere to be found on the list. Well, hey, hey, that's because the outsiders are all going to hate, but because it says besides <laughs> your home state. But if we were allowed to represent, I think a lot of New Jerseyans would be uh, picking our state. I think I picked... Uh, Utah. I would definitely pick somewhere Utah. out west. I definitely pick somewhere out west, which is the natural beauty out there, and the national parks are pretty incredible. Um, Utah also great economy, great place to live, a great leadership as well politically. Yeah. So I think that's what I want with. Yeah, um, and then we also asked our members, what is the worst state in the nation? 
And this is an even larger overwhelming victory, I'd say. California got 26 responses, which is probably about 35% of everyone <laughs> um, saying that it was the worst state in the nation. And, you know, obviously I agree. Um, in second place, though, <laughs> was your home state of New Jersey. Hey, hey, there's like I said, <laughs> we face an immense amount of hate from non-New Jerseyans. As uh, as what's, what what is is it James Franco in, in the interview he says they hate us because they ain't us yes that's, that's kind of exactly. that's kind of how it is uh, <laughs> with New Jersey but um, very pleasantly surprised that California uh, dwarfed our total for worst state in the nation I voted for California as well a beautiful state but uh, kind of messed up out there <laughs> at the well, I was actually I'm looking at this there's a bunch of responses from like where actually our members probably come from so like you said New York New Jersey and Massachusetts for a worst state so besides California of course um so that's pretty interesting I think a lot of people probably thought mm -hmm. the home state was the worst state um and then Last question was should the George Washington University get rid of the colonial mascot and 95% of the members said no. Um, that's pretty unsurprising. Um, I, my, me personally, you know, I don't think the colonial mascot is that great of a mascot. However, you know, I, I don't subscribe to uh, some of the members or some of the other university students' ideas that um, it's necessarily a racist term. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I think absolutely not. I think it, it very clearly is a reference to George Washington and uh, the colonists who, who fought back the British and fought for our freedom. They were anti-colonialism, no matter uh, how much people like to take the surface level word of colonial as some claim that we are supporting the evils of colonialism. That's right. what George Washington and the troops were fighting directly against. And I think that it shows you with our members who um, as we've gone through today, have a, a, you know, a heart for criminal justice reform issues and a, a number of issues where we're out of step um, with, with typical Republican assumptions that you see here, a clear uh, understanding that um, this is kind of a little bit of political uh, correctness run amok on campus, yeah. uh, I think, and 95% against getting rid of the mascot. Uh, I don't know if it will stay around for much longer, but I know that it should. Yeah. All righty. Well, thank you guys for joining us on another short and sweet episode of Elephant in the Room. Thank you, Josh, for coming on. Great. Thanks for having me, Joey. Everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening.